Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 22 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today I want to talk to you about your biggest frustrations as a teacher. Welcome, beautiful teachers. Today, I want to talk to you about your frustrations. And no, I'm not a mind reader, obviously, but I sort of am. You see, when people subscribe to the emails from Colourful Keys about latest blog articles and these podcast episodes and that kind of thing, I ask new subscribers about their favourite thing about teaching and their biggest frustrations. I love getting these emails. Um, I read every single one. I don't always get the chance to reply, but I reply to as many as I possibly can because I love reading them. It's really interesting to see how teachers all over the world share the same frustrations and the same favourite parts. The favourite part almost always is some variation of that moment when students get those light bulbs, when something just clicks. Or people talk about how they love spending time with kids. And spending all day working with children is wonderful. But the frustrations also have a lot in common with each other too. And really the frustrations split into three groups for me. Students not practicing. Students not practicing well. And then other, which is a whole host of other stuff. But the vast majority of these frustrations lie in those first two camps. Students aren't practicing at all. That's probably the biggest one. Or students are not practicing well. They're not practicing efficiently. I want to read out a few quotes from these emails to you so you can get a sense of what teachers like you and like me are feeling about practice. I'm obviously not going to use the names here. These were emails, so the people did not attend them to be broadcast on a podcast. So these will be anonymous, but I think they give us a great insight into yeah, what teachers around the world are feeling and how we're not in this alone. We're all feeling the same frustrations. So the first one said, my saddest frustration is not being able to motivate my students to invest in daily practice. Another teacher said, half of my students practice, no problem. The other half, I've tried charts and a reward system and it was fun at first, but it wore off. I have a few that would move so much more quickly through their books and learn so much better if they'd only put in the time. Another teacher said, 
My biggest teaching frustration now is that piano often takes a back seat in families' busy lives. Yet another one said, my biggest frustration with working hard on a piece and then they don't do anything in in that week and the next week we're working on the exact same thing. So I have loads of these and I want to talk to you today about a few different ways we might address these issues. I'm not going to solve your students' practice problems. That is impossible. And it's certainly not going to be done just through me talking to you on a podcast. But I think there are a few adjustments we can make so this isn't such a big frustration for us. The biggest thing for me is that this needs to be established from the beginning. And I've said this many times. And it's frustrating if it wasn't established from the beginning to try to move forward from there. But I think this is the first thing you can do. Resolve with new parents to have this discussion straight out and to their face before they join your studio. Tell them what is required of piano lessons in your studio, what it means to take piano lessons, how you're there to support them, but it is on them to make practice happen at home. Now, what I don't like, and I'm sorry I said the word requirement there, what is required, because I don't like this idea of a contractor required to do this much to stay in my studio. I don't think of it like that. But I do think it's very important and it's our responsibility to make it clear to parents that if their child does not practice from the beginning, it's going to be impossible to get them to practice later. Not impossible, very difficult. And it's always going to be a battle if it isn't a habit from the beginning. And second of all, if they don't practice, and therefore practice from the beginning, it is going to be very hard for them to make progress. It's as simple as that, and we know it. And sometimes we do get frustrated at parents when actually they just don't even realize that that's what's happening. You know, they participate in sports and dance and all these other things where you don't need to practice to make good progress. You show up each week, and that's it. The kid does the class, they go home, maybe they play around with stuff, maybe they don't. It's not such an inbuilt part of the system. And I know there's arguments for treating piano like that too, and I'll address those in a second, but let's just assume for now that we do want to get our students to practice on a regular basis, whatever that means to us, whether that's three times a week, five times a week, whatever, that we do want that to happen. And that's our intention for every student. Well, then we need to be extremely clear with parents that that's how it works. And without being condescending, explain to them what it means to practice an instrument, how practice should sound, how to fit practice into their schedule. And then don't leave it at that. Don't just have that conversation at the first meeting and then leave it with them. Be there to support them, check in with them, and remind them that you are there to help them figure this stuff out. So that's the first side of this frustration, and I think it eliminates a huge amount of it. It certainly has in my studio. The students I have now who don't practice, or don't practice up to my expectations, which aren't extremely high by the way, I'm not expecting huge amounts of practice every day, just regularity. But those students who don't meet that expectation of regularity Mostly they were transfer students, so habits were already established that are very hard to break and we work on them, but it's never going to be up to the level of the students who start with me, or at least not for a while, I shouldn't say never. 
We gradually get there, but it takes some time. Or there are students who I know, when they first started, I neglected to have this conversation face-to-face properly with that parent. Either they were joined my studio in connection with another parent and I only spoke to one of them, or some situation happened where I didn't face-to-face with them say, listen, this is how practice works. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is to just give up on the practice. And I talked about this in a blog post on the Colourful Keys site. It might be a little bit controversial, but I think it's so much better than you being frustrated by a lack of practice. From chronic non-practicers who just see this differently, their parents see this differently, and it is not going to happen. Incentives, charts, reward systems, they are not going to help that child because they're not intrinsically motivated to do it because the habit isn't there because of so many reasons, because the environment isn't set up for them. So if that's the case, I want to encourage you to treat their lessons a little bit differently. And I have a great quote to share with you from one of these emails. A great insight from another teacher. She said, I have a number of parents who want their kids in piano lessons, but they don't see practice as being a priority. It's almost like they want kids to have a music education, which is important, of course, but without any sort of homework attached. Kind of like soccer practice or swimming lessons. You go and you do it, and then you don't do it for another week. Instead of fighting against this, because in a lot of situations, this is just the way it is now, I'm challenging myself to teach within the reality of no practice. We have lots of resources that give us ideas about how to motivate students to practice, but if their parents really don't care, it's all moot. And for the most part, I really agree with this blog reader who was writing into me there. It is all irrelevant. If you have a young child who is not practicing, let's say under 10, they're not practicing, their parent is not on board with getting them to practice, or they say they will be, but they're just very scatty, or they have a lot going on, or it's just impossible. Okay, so you've two options now. You can, well, you've three, okay? You can kick that child out of your studio. I don't agree with doing that. I feel like they should still get a music education, even if it's not the way you expect it to look, or I expect it to look. Option two is each week you nag and nag that child, and you stack your charts and use whatever, but ultimately they probably won't work because the parent is not doing it alongside you. Or you can just treat those lessons as music lessons, not piano lessons. They're going to learn bits of piano, but each week is a lesson and that's it until they come the next week. You can do so much with this format. You can explore composing with them. You can learn different bits and pieces of pieces. You can learn about notation slowly, but you can't expect it to look like they have three to five pieces and next week you take off at least 50% of them and move on to do it. That is not going to happen because they're not practicing. And that's just the reality. I agree with her there. That's the reality. That's how it is with some of these kids. No, don't give up at the very first hurdle. But if you have gone on and on with this parent, tried to get them on board, made it clear what the repercussions are for not practicing in terms of the progress they'll make and their investment in lessons and all of that. If you've done all of that, then you're only causing yourself stress. So stop it. Start enjoying their lessons instead. 
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast today. It's a shorter one, but I hope it hit home maybe in a couple of areas and helped to alleviate some of your frustrations. All the other frustrations in the other category that I get in go into the topics that I choose for this podcast because I always want to help you out with the things that are important to you. So those aren't getting forgotten either. You can also get more practice advice in episode two of this podcast. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash two, just the number, the digit two. And there's tons more practice resources inside the Vibrant Music Teaching community as well. So if you're not a member yet, hop on over to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash membership. And if you are a member, just hop on over to the video library or the printable library and you'll find tons of stuff for improving your students' practice and getting them into a practice routine. If you have any questions, please do let me know. You can find me inside the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers group on Facebook or comment on the show notes for this podcast. That's at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash two two. That's the number 22. I hope you have a fantastic week with very few frustrations and I'll chat to you again on the next episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. If you're listening to this episode just as it goes live, then there's still time to sign up for my next webinar. You can go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash site, that's S-I-G-H-T, because it's about sight reading, and I will see you live or on the replay. So if you're listening within a few days of this going live, then hop on over there and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.